everyone and welcome to another episode of Books and Ship with me, Charlie Author. Now today is another very special, special episode because we have a guest and this guest is the wonderful best-selling author, Elodie Harper. Hello, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me on, I've been really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, 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 it's been a quick turnaround in in in, you know to get together kind of thing but thank you so much for um for featuring on the episode first of all um just so you guys know Elodie and I have just had a really interesting conversation about fantasy <laughs> books and stuff and it was just really really fun and I can tell you already we're just we're besties she's just my best friend it's fine it's very right. true <laughs> <laughs> so we're friends now okay um but no thank you again for featuring now before we go straight into like the questions and you know about you and your background and stuff I wanted to just tell a little story of how we met essentially. So I reviewed The Wolf Den on my page, right? And a lot of people feel funny about reviews. You know, if it's bad, they don't want to say anything. If it's great, they don't tag people, should I say. Um, you know, they just don't want to let the person know what they thought. It's, you know, it's that anonym, anonymity, sorry, you're able to just hide behind your words if you're being cruel, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I initially gave the wolf den, I think it was three and a half out of five, right? And the reason for this, as much as I thoroughly enjoyed it, was because I didn't realize it was a trilogy or was going to be a trilogy, right? So I thought, oh, I'm left with all these questions and I don't know what's going on in this like standalone book, right? Here comes Elodie and says, this is no shame yeah, <laughs> no shame in her game and said nah mate this this is three books it's not finished right so I was like oh that makes more sense and then we bumped it up stars because I I honestly I left it loving it wanting more basically embarrassed you into bumping up a star sorry this sounds terrible <laughs> like I like cruised in there I was not like even. hey it's not finished <laughs> No, not even, but that's the thing, because I've always made, um, what's the word, an argument for being honest about books kind of thing. And yeah. there is a line between being disrespectful and rude and, you know, to, to people's work, being a writer myself, I know what work and energy and time has gone into something. And at no point have I, have I ever, you know, just wanted to trash something and just put it out there and be like, look at this, I hate you kind of thing. It's not about that. It's about being honest and reviewing and letting the world know what you thought was good or, good or bad. Yeah, totally. so I love that because you are the author and you did see it and you did make comment on it. And everyone, that would for most people be the most traumatizing thing that ever happened to them. But I loved it. And thank I you. think I did stick some kisses on the end to like yeah. make it sure I wasn't being like, <laughs> no that's it I really appreciate it and yeah, I, just it was, it was say, I just felt really bad as well that you had these unanswered questions and that you'd in, you'd said oh I really enjoyed the book and then like I was like what's going to happen next and I don't know so I was just like I promise you you'll yeah. find out <laughs> no, that, was, that was absolutely amazing so I really appreciate that honesty and getting in the comments and you know just that transparency with readers and stuff I really really enjoyed so um I'm gonna stop talking for a little bit and <laughs> basically say so in tell us about the wolf den first of all um and you know its conception we know about your research in Pompeii and all that wonderful stuff so let's just go straight into it and then we'll see where we go yeah so I think it's really interesting that there's quite a big crossover with fantasy fans and historical fiction fans with the wolf den particularly because with ancient history it is almost like fantasy as a genre because it's so long ago and like the world building and everything else it's like a, a completely sort of different immersive um experience but 
it is actually based, um, so wolf den means um, brothel or wolf den in Latin. So the word lupana, uh, it has both meanings. That's where the title comes from. And it's based on a real building in Pompeii. Um, you can still see the graffiti that the women left um I based some of the characters on that and basically what I wanted to do because it's quite famous on the tourist trail was reimagine this place but from really from the women's perspective and about their adventures their lives their hopes their dreams so that's where it comes from and you know the main character Amara is determined to win her freedom but it is also a book about all these different women's and their different um lives and how they've got to this place and, and kind of what they do with it so it's like an adventure story it's very much about Pompeii um and yeah so that's that's how it goes and it's it's um it's it's a trilogy <laughs> so we've gone on about that sorry um so yeah so and uh, so the wolf den came out last year and this year the sequel the house of the golden doors coming out yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So we're going to try and keep it relatively spoiler free um, yeah. because, you know, it hasn't been out too, too long. So there's still some no, it's not. Catch, yeah. catching up with TBRs and things like that. Um, but, you know, for those who have read it and I'm talking about my close knit friendship group, um, you know, this is fan central for us, um, <laughs> which was really, really good. But um, no, I what we loved, uh, I say primarily, but one of the huge things we loved about Wolf Den was, like you said, these stories of the women, okay? We loved Amara and Victoria, main, like, as big features, going through such traumatizing situations, lives, and it's like prostitution itself, you know, the oldest occupation, all that kind of thing. It's not new, but I think what we took from it, bear with me, what we took from it was that as much as it was happening and it was in the forefront and we understood what these women were doing, you know, what they were made to do, should I say, it towed a really wonderful line of not being too graphic or in your face, but being 100% emotional. So, and it proved the strength of writing and your writing specifically about how you can still shock factor someone, you know, for example, Paris, the, the male prostitute, um, without it being this kind of clickbaity type books that we we have floating around. You know, we all know sex sells in that sense and trauma and dark fantasy and all those kind of things people do quite gravitate to. But like I said, one thing that was wonderful about this is it, we, we cried, we cried, we felt like, oh, like all these different things and you didn't have to have the gore part. It was implied, it was understood. It was just, it was wonderful. And like, oh, I- Oh, yeah I hate to put the two things together wonderful about such intimate content but it was like you don't have to be so graphic in order to I, you know that and that was a really big aim of mine I did not want any graphic descriptions of particularly you know non-consensual sex mm -hmm. you know, I just I don't want to read that I don't want to write it you know it was yeah. all as you say about the emotion the psychological impact and I kind of wanted to focus we know this is happening to the women and to Paris, as you say, but I wanted to sort of focus on all the other aspects of their lives. And obviously that trauma does bleed into other aspects, yep. but I just didn't want to write a kind of misery best yep. of horrible things happening to women, which yes. I don't like to read. No. Um, so yeah, thank you for saying I that. No, 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 definitely. I mean, one of, I say one of the big um, things we discussed as well is once again, bear with me, guys, you know, I like to be as transparent as possible. Um, you know, 
non-consensual sex obviously between men and women it's kind of it's the biology it's kind of where it's supposed to go if that makes sense um but with Paris there was this extra kind of <gasps> because he's a man and it was just like and his anger towards the other girls um was as I said part of that psychological makeup kind of thing because from what I understand he's not particularly gay homosexual no well this this, this this is what I wanted to portray with Paris so like sexual abuse of enslaved people in, in the Roman Empire, you know, it was it it was against men and women. Exactly. But the thing for Paris is that he's so isolated because he doesn't want to associate with the women mm -hmm. because he feels like demeaned by that because they were a very sexist society. Yeah. Um, and so he can't kind of hang out with them, but equally he's not accepted as a man. Um, and he's just very isolated. And you know, I could have made him very sort of victimy and sorrowful, but I, I made him quite obnoxious because yeah. because I just wanted to show that you know people can be quite complex in difficult situations and actually sometimes if you have a really hard life it doesn't make you a sweetheart so no and no, that's, that's kind of where Paris is at yeah we definitely appreciated that and obviously his relationship with his with his mother sorry I forget um, yeah Fabia yeah Fabia. yeah name and but um yeah his relationship and just being obviously really resentful for the for the situation he's in um and then obviously moving to the kind of the other side of that relationship I didn't expect Felix to be sorry not a spoiler guys but I didn't expect Felix to use those services and it's like I get that it's a part of ancient culture like we just know that in the Roman and Greek times you know to have you know this these types of sexual relationships of any gender any person was completely standard but I didn't expect it of Felix and even that was quite shocking it was just like yeah so you affect you genuinely just see him as this thing to be used just at any time and it was just yeah. so yeah I mean and 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 Felix is such an abusive person as well so it's as much about power as desire I think with with, yeah. with Felix exactly um, it's about kind of asserting his dominance as much as anything else I think. as much as anything else exactly um yeah. sorry I recently had um an episode I say recently it was the one before this um about villains and um Felix is one, once again I hate putting bad words with good words but he's a wonderful villain um, <laughs> You know, he's a really good one in the sense of, you know, yes, it's all the psychological, mental and physical um, abuse. But with the, I won't spoiler this one, but with his relationship with one of the girls, that was made so apparent because you understood in some ways why she felt that way or thought he would be different to her. There's always one. <laughs> in every film, in every book, there's always one. And you're just like, girl, he don't love you like you know he don't love you you know it's not you know it's not real you know <laughs> snap out of it okay but I really loved once again that dynamic so you've got Amara the, the rebellious one I'm not staying here I do what I need to do I'm out ski then you've got obviously this girl who's like kind of like it here you know like you know because I'm different I'm special the different dynamics of the the girls was just really wonderfully wonderfully told and I just I thought that was I thought that was amazing oh thank um, you so much no in that on that trajectory was there anything you took out sorry I say took out edited out of the book that might have been a bit too um I guess graphic not necessarily physically but you know just a bit too graphic a bit too much you thought it was ooh. well I actually 
kind of went through that process before even writing it. So one of the concerns I had with my editor was, um, you know, like, I just, I just wanted to avoid that. So even as I sort of planned it, I worked out how many scenes of that nature there'd be and that none of them would be described explicitly, you know, so we're not gonna have any body parts or actually sort of explicit description, descriptions of sexual activity. But, you know, even, even a kind of really um, obscure reference or a very metaphorical or psychological reference, it's still quite disturbing. So yeah, I tried to sort of limit the number. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's just sort of going back to Felix, it's interesting what you say about him as a villain because um, I wanted to make him more than a monster. That was really crucial to me that over the course of the book, we really come to understand him and his life. And I don't want to spoiler it, but his background, his life, why he is who he is. Um, and I also like threw, wanted to throw a curveball in there and make him incredibly attractive um, because that also complicates how people respond to someone. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and uh, I have to say, not the peroxide hair, because obviously he's from southern Italy, so he's dark. But I must say, I did sort of occasionally visualize him as Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I can do it. I see it. I see it. <laughs> so anyway, I just had to throw that out there as we were yeah. talking about fantasy earlier. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were. No, no, no. I get that. I mean, in you say obviously you wanted to not have him just to be this this monster. Mm. But, you know, what was the most difficult or who was, sorry, the most difficult character to write in that aspect in terms of giving them layers and not just being one dimensional and that kind of thing? It probably was Felix, in all honesty. Um, and, you know, because I wanted to do a really fine line between perhaps the reader having, if not sympathy, then understanding for him, but also not the, the narrative of. I didn't want it to be the narrative of the woman saving the bad man because mm -hmm. I just think that's so toxic um you know so um yeah so he was probably the most the most complicated character to write Rufus was very complex to write as well oh right. um, because go on to him because yeah. he's kind of um and I don't want to spoil it too much but there are times so Rufus and Pliny in particular are without kind of giving away too much about who they are what they do but mm -hmm. That there's there should be a gap between how Amara sees them and how the reader sees them. Yes. Okay. So, like, uh, yeah, her attitude to both those characters isn't necessarily the attitude that I would want the reader to have. Okay. Um. So you know, like, maybe we can see them with slightly less rose-tinted glasses. I think um, I most definitely. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. Because so it's sorry. her feelings are partly born out of desperation. Yes. Exactly. Because and whereas we can be like, oh, that wasn't so great. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we get it. It's, you know, it's yeah. this third, it sounds silly because that's what a book is, but it's essentially us looking into this life and yeah. being like, run, run, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See yeah. that this is not going well. <laughs> and, you know, as I said, she's almost hiding from those red flags as such because yeah of well because she doesn't have a choice really she's got yeah. to make it work but it's and I guess that's what all of us do and yeah and I wanted to look at the kind of pretty woman trope of like the, the sex worker or prostitute who's who's rescued by the rich man and yeah. what that actually favorite means film. <laughs> yeah I, favorite film love it I do quite you know we can all enjoy pretty woman like yeah. it is it is really good fun and it's a great fantasy but I wanted to look at that story from a slightly different 
more sinister. I mean, you know, I would love to have some guy just hand me a credit card and I just go into some shop and look really hot. That would be great. Who <laughs> wouldn't? I mean, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dissing the fantasy, but I just, no, yeah. I was looking at it slightly different. No, I, no, I definitely get there. And, um, you know, just taking that type of relationship from a more uh, realistic and obviously in this case, sinister, I guess, perspective, which is very interesting because we were talking earlier about um, toxic relationships and to toxic traits between, you know, centuries old guys <laughs> and, you know, 21, 20 year old um, females kind of thing. And that's not always the always that's not ever the way it goes um so yeah having from this perspective is just is just so much more real and I know it's obviously historical but I feel like you've done such a great service to the lives of people of that time and I loved the um I guess it's like a bonus excerpt thing at the at the back and yeah for the Waterstones edition yes. yeah one I had and it was nice reading that little essay um you know just about your travels and, and those kind of things um that will segue me on nicely to when did you actually go to uh, Pompeii when was the like oh, the, the birth I did actually go as part of the research process got rather it. than it wasn't like I kind of walked into the brothel in Pompeii and had an epiphany that that would probably make quite a good origin story um so yeah I kind of had the idea that I wanted to write about Pompeii and you know I, I kind of got this idea in my head and I went with my best friend Andrea um for a short like mini break and um yeah so that's that's but I'd already read a lot about it and there's like masses of pictures of it online and you know and having studied like the ancient world for quite a while it was sort of familiar to me before I went, but I have to say nothing really prepared me for the experience of actually going there. Actually it's, going it's like a really, it's it's a very, it's it's a really weird place. The brothel itself, like it's quite a sad place. Like it's quite grim, but it's also beautiful. It's got these frescoes. It's very interesting. I don't know. It's a, it's it's quite poignant to think of the women there you know it's so well preserved you can really see what it looks like and Pompeii you know as a whole is just extraordinary you know it's like the nearest you can ever get to time travel oh you'd love it honestly yeah, it's brilliant I'm, yeah Covid is just ruined yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was meant to go back for book two and like that didn't happen yeah so. no sorry so what year was this because this was actually a question sorry I didn't say that earlier yeah. I came from betwixt the pages yeah um mm -hmm. okay, so when was the first time so what year was that 2019 oh 2019 oh so fairly recently which is cool yeah um and mm -hmm. then they also asked what is your favorite period in history because you did study ancient history didn't you well I studied I studied English but I did a lot of like ancient texts as, I, I studied literature but like studied a lot of ancient texts yeah exactly. <laughs> um and um yeah I'm sorry I've just forgotten the question I'm such no, a no, no, favorite. Oh, my favorite period of history. Yeah. So it would be this one. So ancient Rome. Um, and then probably like I find the period, the French Revolution period, really interesting. And then like it's such a cliche, but I do like Renaissance Tudor. Yeah, who doesn't? Kind of period. You know, I, I do like it. I think, yeah. yeah. So, but but the ancient world is kind of my favorite. I just find it very interesting. It's it's so modern and yet so alien at the same time. I think it's quite unique for that. Uh, you know, they were so advanced in so many ways and yet so completely alien to us and others. So, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, as you said that, it's just 
nail on the head in the sense of so far advanced in terms of, I don't know, maths or writing or technology, you know, yeah, exactly. that kind of thing. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a God with a crocodile head. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's all a bit over the place, yeah. which I do, I do appreciate. Um, would you write in, you know, in the future, would you write any other periods, obviously, of the ones that you you love, Tudor, you know, Ala Philippa Gregory, you know? I, um, I mean, she's kind of cornered that market quite, <laughs> quite, quite amazingly. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I'd never say never. I'm quite keen on sticking with the ancient world for the foreseeable. But yep. yeah, I mean, like, if I'm lucky enough to write several more books in the ancient world, maybe at some point I will want to switch somewhere else. You like um, Yeah. So no, I I mean I like that idea. Obviously, that's good for me to hear as a fan. Um, because like I said, we me and my friend, we really took to your writing style. Um, in the sense of you can have historical um romance or just a historical fiction, whatever whichever one it is. Um, and it does get a bit overwhelming. It is a bit of information kind of thing. Um, but I feel like you weave that together um really well in terms of learning something the emotional aspect and obviously just pure enjoyment of oh my god I have to turn the next page um so like that was just a good mesh for us kind of thing um another cheeky little segue um you mentioned you know being lucky enough um you know to write more books if you are so we're going to go into the kind of publishing questions now um because as I mentioned um a lot of my readers are indie writers and you know up and coming and we want to make it you know um so yeah what was your path to getting the wolf den picked up published etc etc tell us all what's the inside scoop darling so um I've got to be honest um like it was really my agent and getting a good agent as sort of why why this has happened for me so um and the wolf den is is my historical fiction debut but it's not my first book mm-hmm. um so um when uh well it was 2016 i'd written a book that was a kind of ghost gothicy ghost story uh with some sort of ancient greek myth overtones and i sent it to um juliet mushens who's my agent who's fabulous and she took me on the basis of that book and then it was signed um as a crime book so i had to slightly rewrite it because there was quite a lot of crime elements to it so then i wrote so i wrote two crime books um and really enjoyed it but wasn't kind of my genre um and i couldn't really i didn't really want to be writing more books in that genre and um yeah on kind of thing yeah um and it just didn't sort of grab me the same way and I thought I'm going to struggle to kind of go down this path now a lot of agents wouldn't necessarily be very supportive of that mm-hmm. uh but Juliet is like all about reinvention and about you know you're as good as your next book and all of that so yeah so then you know, she really liked the idea of the wolf den and we pitched that, well, I, we, she pitched that. And um, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it, how it happened. Um, so what it was, the, sorry. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say, what's the timeline like? Because, you know, you have the horror stories of, oh my God, it took me 10 years to find an agent. And then I found one and then my book was shelved for another five. And then I didn't see it for another two. And then this, you know, what was your particular journey like in terms of time and years and editing, blah, blah, blah. blah. I've got to be honest, it was really fast. So the main thing has been time pressure that whenever these things have 
had a green light, then it's been like, oh my God, it's needed to be done yesterday. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, with signing with Juliet, I was really shocked and delighted that she that she signed me. She was my, you know, I sound like one of these really awful, annoying people because she was my first choice agent. I queried her and she said, yes. Yeah. Um, well, but you know, I, I, yeah, I was really lucky. And I know it doesn't always happen like that. And I've got, you know, I've got one friend in particular who's a massively talented writer and I love her stuff and she's not been signed yet. And it is really subjective writing and it's very difficult. It's very difficult, you know, people, like the Wolf Den has, I feel really grateful it's taken off. Mm -hmm. uh, my crime books didn't particularly, I mean, they were fine and I was thrilled to have them published. Yeah. Um, but, you know, did not get anything like the response of the Wolf Den. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think Juliet's idea that you just, you know, you, you focus on the next book and yeah. you keep going and you can always reinvent yourself as a writer. Yeah. I, think. I, I think it's always, it's, well, as you've just said, it's always about finding your niche and your market. Yeah. And as you said, you wrote the, the crime books beforehand, but they didn't necessarily take off in the way you may have hoped wished you know whatever the word is yeah exactly but then that wasn't even necessarily the books you wanted to write so maybe that's the the blessing in disguise kind of thing you, could, um, you honestly could look at it like that but and it also was useful because you know in pitching the wolf den that to your head of Zeus the the publisher you know they knew I was capable of writing yes decent books so it wasn't like a wasted you know and I'm still thrilled they were published and you know um, then there's no there's no failure I, I don't think in you know there's only honestly just finishing a draft is hugely difficult yeah. even if it's never published it's <laughs> such a big thing <laughs> it's it's huge I mean I've got a friend at the minute she's writing um fantasy I think it is but she wants to write historical fiction she wants to write historical moments because you know she's kind of stuck on her manuscript I think she was saying and it's just like it's because my brain keeps going to this other book that's just sitting waiting for me and it was just like if that's what you want babes that's what you want like you know yeah. you force yourself to be in a mindset that isn't what you want or else the writing will become a chore and I've always yeah. tried to, to veer away from that and I think one of my fears for you know being traditionally published if that ever happened for me is suddenly this idea of like you said the deadlines yesterday but I don't feel like writing today <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we've got so far as indies like I'll do this when I want like I'll release it when yeah. I want but suddenly there's other people in your head and you know they want it then and it has to be by this time and I'm just like I'm not in the mood don't want to <laughs> like I have to say for me like I kind of need that and I think but that I think that's because of my background as a journalist where it's like so many deadlines and also like there's I've always had people interfering with what I'm writing you know like just like a a, a report you know you've got your news editor reading it and might be like oh no don't like that line or you should put this bit here or whatever so I guess for me it's very familiar that writing would be both a collaborative process and also one that has to be done quite fast um even if you're not completely satisfied with it. But I think if I hadn't had that sort of background, I would struggle with it a lot more yeah. because nothing, you're never totally satisfied with anything you write. It's never perfect. Yeah. You could always like carry on polishing it, but at some point you have to say, okay, this is done. And if you've got 
an outside person saying, okay, it has to be done now. <laughs> and you're kind of like, okay, well, it's done then. <laughs> exactly. You have to let it go at some point. Yeah. Um, I've got another friend, um, you know, I won't say her name, but it's just like, she's, I wouldn't say perfectionist, but she's, like you said, it's, you know, she keeps doing it over and she keeps changing it and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, we've said to her, like, you just have to let it go at some point. It's never going to be what you think is is perfect. Yeah. I'm sure it's wonderful. You just have to trust that instinct and, and put that, that out there. Um, I mean, saying that, as I said, you come from a journalistic uh, background and you've always had people, you know, kind of invested in your in your writing. Um, what would you say is, well, age old question, what's a, advice for um, upcoming writers, things to avoid, whether it's contracts, things you want to hear, things you don't want to hear, if somebody says this percentage to you, that's not the one or you know what what are some tips you could give to somebody if they're in that path so I'm hoping I'm not going to give people bad advice here but yeah I mean some main things is never ever give money either to an agent or to be published you know an agent will take yeah definitely that's a really really big deal do not pay anyone to read your work Mm -hmm. to um, represent you to publish you you should not be paying money out Mm -hmm. I mean there are occasions that you might want to use a kind of um, proofreading editing service Mm -hmm. Um, you know if you really if you feel you would really benefit from that I think there are some reputable ones obviously there are reputable ones so I'm not saying in no circumstances ever ever pay but um, definitely you shouldn't be paying them if that means no and exactly and also like definitely never pay an agent or a publisher that's just like a big no ever if 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 either of those um are asking you for money that's like a massive red flag Mm -hmm. and then yeah so um you know as far as i know the standard sort of agent fee is 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 about 15 percent um you know anything over 15 percent is 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 peculiar Okay. So, um, double, double, I feel like I need to double check that. Um, but I think, you know, you go to like a society of um, authors and, and they will have like loads of information on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, that's good. Yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah. I think you can check, <clears throat> check the percentage and I, there's like a, an agent's not trade union but like a kind of official body so they society of agents or something I'm, I'm sounding really ignorant here but yeah <laughs> no so, in my like writers and artists yearbook or something yeah I'm, exactly that you can go for better people than me for advice but yeah <laughs> no it's good to know we always just like to get that kind of um insight I mean uh, author Shelby Mahurin um she wrote the Serpent and Dove trilogy you know she's talking on her stories about you know like advances and you know how you know everybody's different but just advances and how she gets paid and how other people don't and you know it's it's just one of those things without being too intrusive or or disrespectful to you know people's situations um you won't know unless you ask and you won't know unless you get it so you know if someone was to offer you x you know is this okay like you know how else are you going to be educated if you if you don't ask the question so thank you very much um obviously for sharing that with us um going back a couple of steps so you said the journey was quite fast um in terms of you know pitching Wolfden coming out um how has it been for less sequels so House of the Golden Door is out in May or with the Golden Door is out in May I'm so excited um what's been that 
um, journey into when did you start writing it? When do they ask for it? What's going on? So I kind of signed up to do a book a year mm-hmm. um, for, for the trilogy. So uh, people won't have to wait too long. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I started writing The House with the Golden Door pretty much as soon as I delivered The Wolf Den. So I'd written quite a lot of it before The Wolf Den was even published. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm writing the third book at the moment. At the moment. Oh, no, that's really yeah. good. So where, so, is, yeah. where is Golden Door now? So obviously it's coming out in that's, May. That's, that's coming out in May. So at the moment it's, so it's had one proof run. So they've done like a, a printed version um, to send out to reviewers. They're doing another proof run, which has been kind of corrected more because the early proof run was like, as soon as I finished the draft. Mm-hmm. And then we went through like the copy edit when it's like proofread with, by different people in the publishing house, just to like check the punctuation and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so more will be printed and that will go out for like bloggers and, um, uh, booksellers uh, and other authors um, to read. Can I, I will definitely be asking for you. Hundred <laughs> oh, percent. If I can have one, I'd love one because I love it. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So um, and yeah, so proof run, and it's also up on NetGalley. Some people like get a digital and apply for a digital arc. So yeah, that's where it's at at the moment, and then out out in May. So oh. I don't know how big their proof run is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's like the end of this month, beginning of next month. Okay. No, no, no. That sounds good. I said May is what? Four months away. Oh um, my God. I know. Yeah. <laughs> May is four months away. Like my baby is in two months. It's terrifying. Um, it's just terrifying stuff. But no, it's good to know. I said that kind of, um, you know, trajectory of the journey of where it's going. And so many congratulations, by the way. It is wonderful. Oh, no, thank you. I am I am looking forward to it. Um, you know, going to miss out on hours of reading, but we'll see how that goes. You know <laughs> what? If, if you're breastfeeding, I don't think I ever read as many books in the middle of the night when I was having to breastfeed so <laughs> yeah I see that I see that I'm just like I keep saying to her dad like you just need to take her because I need to concentrate I just can't <laughs> but no that's that's really good so House with the Golden Door is out in May and obviously we are continuing so we're going back to the book now because that's the fun part um excuse me um so we're going back obviously to Amara's story won't spoiler it but for those that have read it we are we're on tinder hooks tender hooks with with the guy and the house and just what what can we expect because I am so excited and I promise you this isn't just because obviously we're speaking this was one of my favorite books of last year and to know that there is you know more coming and it was as I said initially left on a cliffhanger that I thought I wasn't gonna get vision over this is just it's blowing my mind I'm just really excited so what can we expect obviously for Amara and her journey at least in this book because obviously there's more to go so I think um without being too spoilery like I didn't want this book to have as dark a vibe okay so I hope there'll be more escapism and lightness in this book having said that it's still pretty dark okay as you've said that though it's got me thinking about her little man friend well yeah that makes i'm not i'm not gonna give any well you may be disappointed you may not be disappointed i can't give too much away but yeah i love it it's it's a different environment from the first book and maybe she's learning to have different priorities as well okay right so that's what we're looking forward to with amara do you have any well of course you've got plans because you're writing them but do you have any um ideas or plans for the title of book three 
do you know what I'm like really stuck with the title of book three at the moment I've got a few that I quite like and I'm just yeah I haven't decided so the wolf den and the house with a golden door were like instant I knew what they were going to be called okay um but the third one's always been a bit trickier for me trickier. where yeah I'll keep my ears to the ground so we yeah can, we can wait we can wait for that um but no I will not take up too much of your time Elodie um I do just want to say thank you so much again for for featuring um on books and shit um I know the my friends and listeners and readers are just going to just love this so so much because you've just been such a joy to to speak to and I just yeah I'm just all gushy oh, and- thank you so much you've been so lovely and it was so much fun our chat earlier as well <laughs> it's like once we finish finish, we'll just go back there (laughs) (laughs) thank you so 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 much Um, thank you so much for having me on it's been really good fun no it has you guys can obviously follow Elodie on um Instagram if you don't already it's Elodie L Harper I want to say um she's always you know you're quite active you're one of the the authors that are quite connected with the old readers which we really appreciate um so thank you very much for that um guys make sure to follow myself Charlie Author um on IG as well where you can get all your updates dates about upcoming and previous books and shit episodes um we've got some good stuff coming up i've got a live stream in a few weeks which is going to be awesome we're going to be discussing black fiction um and just to let you know um wolves of duty is going to be out march 2nd um what am i saying pre-orders are up now for 2.99 so make sure you check that out when you can link is in my bio thank you again thank you everybody have a good one bye bye